guest is Alex Newman. He's a columnist and investigative reporter with uh, the New American Magazine and uh, and other publications. He's the co-author, along with my friend, the late great Dr. Samuel L. Blumenfeld of Crimes of the Educators. Alex, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Chuck. Now, Alex, you're on a tour of Europe right now. You're investigating stories there. Um, what is your mission and, and what are you up to? Well, probably the biggest thing that I want to look into while I'm here is the uh, the mass immigration tsunami that's been orchestrated. Uh, so I'm going to be traveling through, uh, well, really all over Europe, but I'm going to really try to focus on Eastern and Central Europe where some of the resistance to this uh, tsunami, it really is a tsunami of immigration. I mean, we're talking millions and millions of people, Middle Easterners coming, Muslims from Africa, Middle East, et cetera. Um, and there's been a lot of resistance in Eastern Europe and in Central Europe. Uh, the group of countries called the Visegrad countries, uh, Hungary, Poland, uh, the Czech Republic and Slovakia have basically put their foot down and said, absolutely not. We're not taking one single migrant. And that's the end of the story. We're going to remain, uh, you know, Western Christian countries and we're not going to be flooded uh, with third world immigrants. And so the rest of the European Union uh, is not happy with that. And so there's a little bit of, a, you know, tension is uh, maybe an understatement developing. And so I want to go see, you know, what Hungarians think, what the Polish people think, what their government is thinking. And uh, and also I want to see what the effects of this immigration tsunami are in other parts of Europe. I mean, it's been a couple of years since I've been here now, whereas I, I used to be here basically all the time. I lived here uh, for many, many years. And so now I want to see what the deal is. So. I think that there's even some pushback amongst the the more liberal Western countries. Uh, even the European Union has set up camps I believe in Tunisia and some other locations. And um, Italy now has had an election, which I think decisively indicates that they, they want to put a stop to this uh, massive, as you call it accurately, tsunami of immigrants. But, but you're focusing on Eastern Europe and Eastern Europe has come under the assault by the liberal media, particularly in the United States. I'm not so sure in Europe as um, as being headed up by quote unquote nationalists, you know, with the implication that these people are Nazis or fascists. Um, what is going on with those governments? I mean, I don't really honestly think that they're becoming Nazi. If anything, the opposite. They're rejecting radical socialism. What's, uh, what, what is happening with the, with the governments over there? That's right. Actually. And if you look at what the leaders of these governments are saying, uh, it's really quite the opposite. In fact, they are... Um, if you read their speeches, if you read what they're actually articulating, they're saying, you know, we need to return to uh, family values. We need to stay with free markets. We need to keep our Western Christian culture of free speech and liberty and, um, you know, the Christian heritage that Europe has. Uh, whereas the European Union is very much behaving in a thuggish, uh, almost totalitarian fashion. I mean, now they're threatening sanctions mm -hmm. against Hungary, sanctions against uh, Poland for refusing to accept this. And, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the other countries. You're absolutely right. The European people as a whole are absolutely fed up with what's going on. Uh, I mean, it, you know, the, beyond any shadow of a doubt, they've actually done polls. And what they've found is that even in the most liberal European countries, even in the countries where the government has basically opened the floodgates, places like Germany, places like Sweden, uh, the overwhelming majority of the population supports 
basically what Trump has articulated, or even beyond what Trump has articulated. They want Islamic immigration stopped completely, as in no more. Uh, whereas the governments are interested in continuing to keep the floodgates open and allowing people to come in. And so now this is being reflected in elections. If you look at what happened, for example, in Italy, it was a, a massive blow to the establishment. All the establishment parties were completely crushed and uh, two anti-establishment parties. I mean, they basically ran on a platform of destroying the establishment, uh, standing up to the European Union, deporting hundreds and hundreds of thousands of migrants, and they won in an absolute landslide. Uh, the mm. establishment did everything they could to try to stop it. They even uh, vetoed the formation of a government. The president there did. But, uh, you know, it, it was such a massive outcry. They couldn't stop it anymore. Same thing in Austria. The new Austrian government is now led by two, uh, quote unquote, right wing parties, both of which have promised to stand up uh, to the European Union, both of which have promised mass deportations and end to the mass immigration. Uh, and we're seeing the same thing all over Europe. Every country where voters are allowed to have a say, they're saying no more of this. So it's really the European elites in Brussels that are out of control, that are out of touch, and that are using totalitarian tactics. Uh, so it's very ironic that they're coming after, for example, Prime Minister Viktor Orban in Hungary. Uh, they want to sanction him under Article 7 of uh, what's called the Lisbon Treaty, which demands that all European governments uphold what they call the EU values. And one of those is mm -hmm. democracy. And, you know, setting aside the merits of democracy as a form of government, James Madison, uh, the father of our Constitution, was not a big fan. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Lisbon Treaty itself was the most undemocratic thing you could possibly imagine. I was actually living in France when the French people voted overwhelmingly to reject the European constitution. And so the European elites in Brussels simply renamed it. They called it the Lisbon Treaty, and then they rammed it through without asking people again, because everybody who got a chance to vote it down, or to, to vote on it, the Dutch, the French, the Irish, they all said no. And so they just renamed it into a treaty and passed it anyway. So that's really what we're dealing with. Uh, Victor Orban calls these people, he, he actually calls this a treasonous conspiracy of internationalist fanatics based mm. in Brussels. And I think his terminology is quite accurate, even if it's inflammatory. Well, let's talk a little bit about those internationalist fanatics. Um, what exactly are they trying to do? I mean, what, what is, uh, we have, a, for example, in the United Kingdom now, they say there are more people who are members of mosques than the Church of England, France, uh, Sweden. They've got no-go zones where, where particularly women are told not to travel alone. And uh, they've canceled events because they're afraid that women are going to be sexually assaulted. Um, what are they thinking? I mean, what, what exactly is their rationale publicly? And what is their rationale really in terms of uh, permitting this massive tsunami of immigrants from, from Africa and Asia? Uh, excellent question. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I think first we can examine what they themselves say, uh, and we can show very, very easily that these are fraudulent. In fact, they've kind of conceded that their first argument was fraudulent, so they've moved to a second, and this is easy to show that it's fraudulent as well. So the first argument was that they are humanitarian, right? Uh, the, the Swedish government was running around at marketing itself as a humanitarian superpower. Uh, and, and the really ironic thing is that the globalist uh, fanatics who've orchestrated this uh, mass invasion, who basically rolled out the red carpet and said, hey, why don't you guys come here? We'll give you free education. You know, well, of course, the taxpayers will fund your education, your health care, your housing, your food, all the rest of it. Um, you know, these are the very same people who bombed the countries that these guys are fleeing from. So these are the ones who messed up Iraq and these are the ones who messed up Afghanistan and Syria and Libya, which is now basically the gateway from Africa into Europe through the Mediterranean. 
these are the ones who've messed up all these different countries that are pro mass producing refugees. So the idea that you're going to blow up somebody's country and then invite them into somebody else. I mean, just, you know, instead of countries, think of it as people. If I went and I blew up somebody's house and then I invited him into your house and said, hey, this guy over here, you can go to his house and he's going to pay for your food and your health and your welfare and all the rest of it. Uh, you wouldn't call me a humanitarian. You'd call me a criminal and you'd demand that I'd be arrested. And so that's mm -hmm. exactly the situation here. These are not humanitarians we're dealing with. And even if we believed that they were humanitarians, we can just look at the numbers and show that this is an absolute farce. Uh, depending on whose estimates you believe, uh, they could take care of anywhere between 10 and 50 times more refugees in the neighboring countries. So if you take Syria, which is the largest refugee producing country in the world today, you could take care of 10, 25 times, 50 times more refugees for the same price if you take care of them in Turkey or in Jordan or in Lebanon or in Saudi Arabia or in uh, any of these countries in the neighborhood. Uh, so if you really care about refugees and you really want to help people, you could take care of 50 times more down there. Why would you invite them to come to Germany or to France or to Sweden? That makes no sense if you're a true humanitarian. And so people figured this out pretty quickly. And then people, and this too is very easy to demonstrate. It's fraudulent. In fact, a friend of mine here in Sweden, uh, his name is Tino Sanandaji. He's ironically a, a, a refugee, uh, came as a child, a Kurdish Iranian, uh, came, you know, 30 something years ago. And uh, he has crunched the numbers. He's one of the few in uh, the Scandinavian countries who's actually even allowed to do this because they'll literally throw people in jail, even for stating true facts. But he's looked at the numbers here. And basically, as far out as you can look. So, you know, it, we can't say that in 10 years, they'll start becoming net contributors to the public treasury or in 20 years or in 30 years or even in 50 years. There is no point in the future at which we can say they will become net contributors to the treasury. Instead, they are costing taxpayers massive amounts of money. And so the argument that these are going to take care of the old people and prop up the welfare system is self-evidently fraudulent. And so that brings me to the next part of your question. What is then the real agenda? And I think that's self-evident as well. Uh, Victor Orban, you know, I keep going back to him, the prime minister of Hungary, I think has explained it best. He says they want to destroy Western civilization. They want to undermine the Christian heritage of Europe. Uh, and we're seeing this all over the place. You know, the bishop in Sweden, the top uh, Swedish church official said, we should take down all the crosses from the churches because they might be offensive to Muslims. Right. <laughs> It is. And, you know, they're taking down crosses from schools. They, they even want to change uh, logos and you know, institutions that have been around for hundreds of years because somebody might be offended. So yeah. to de-Christianize Europe, uh, to undermine Western civilization and the values that have been associated, you know, the Judeo-Christian ethic that's always been associated with the Western world. And then uh, also, as Victor Orban quite rightly points out, is to destroy the nation state. And that's what we're seeing. You, know, you wake up one day and you find yourself totally surrounded by people who come from alien cultures, who speak different languages, who have different religions, who have basically nothing in common with you, except that they share you know, the same territory. And you say, hey, we have these arbitrary lines around us called uh, you know, France or Germany or whatever. What do we have that for? You know, what, what does it mean to be a Frenchman or a German or a Belgian or a Dutch person anymore? It means nothing, right? We're just a, a collection of people inside these arbitrary lines. Why don't we just abolish this whole concept of nationhood? And that's what the European Union wants. They wanna form a regional government with them in control, followed by what a lot of these people publicly tout as the new world order, right? A, a global system where the nation state becomes a thing of the past. You know, and unfortunately, they seem to have some of the major Christian clerics on their side, including, I think, Pope Francis, who have made comments that indicate that they're on board with this agenda that is seeking to replace the Christian faith of Europe with Islam. 
and to Islamize Europe. Um, it's 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 sad and it's scary. And I wonder, from your observation, Alex, is it too late for countries like Sweden and uh, the United Kingdom and France and and the Netherlands? Have they become so inundated at this point with with uh, aliens that they've lost their their ability to function as sovereign states? You know, I, I think that time is very fast approaching, and um, you know, I, I think that was the whole goal was to get this to happen before anybody even stop to realize what was going on. But I mean, you look at London today, Brits are a minority in their own capital city. Uh, literally, they, they are now a Muslim mayor who has said that, um, you know, stabbing now is to be accepted as a way of life. That's just how it goes in the big city. There's That's a right. huge influx of violence and uh, the sexual assaults and all of the other things that have been brought in. That's right. And Mohammed is the most common uh, baby name in all sorts of Western European countries now. Um, you know, they're, they're having many, many times more children than your average European. And this is very deliberate. I mean, if you ask them, they'll tell you, uh, you know, we're doing this for Allah. They have a, a, a concept in their theology called the Hirjah, where you're going to migrate somewhere for the mm -hmm. cause of Allah. And so there's this very interesting dynamic where you have the communists allied and, and you know, the secularists, the humanists allied with the Muslims uh, against their common enemy, which is Judeo-Christian. Western civilization. And this has a very long history. You know, uh, the former head of Romanian intelligence actually uh, defected and said that the yes. Soviet Union was weaponizing the Islamic faith uh, as, a, as a battering ram against Israel and against the Western world more broadly. And so I think that's what we're seeing. You know, whether it's too late or not, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I think certainly for some countries, for some areas, you know, Frankfurt, again, Germans are now a minority in Frankfurt, one of the major German cities. Uh, and this is happening in major cities all across Europe. By the time Europeans sit up and say, wait a minute here, what's happening? Uh, it may well be too late. And you literally have prominent politicians. I mean, you can go on YouTube and watch politicians from the Green Party and from other parties bragging about how uh, Germans and, and Dutch people and Belgians are going to be a minority in their own city. And they say, that's good. Well, mm -hmm. you know, if you think that's good, I invite you to take a trip to Somalia or to Baghdad or to Damascus and tell me whether you think you really want to live in an Islamic uh, multicultural so-called society. My guess is once people get a, a, a dose of reality, uh, they will very quickly change their tune. But in Western Europe, they've really, um, you know, I mean, the, the indoctrination system that uh, Sam and I talked about in the United States uh, is, you know, even more extensive and even more advanced uh, in Western Europe than it is in the United States. So that's a big factor. And, and people are just terrified of being called a bad name by the media, uh, much more so than in the United States. You know, that all these words have kind of lost their sting after they called the Tea Party every bad name in the book, and then they called Trump every bad name in the book. You know, now the, the media says somebody's racist and people kind of roll their eyes and say, yeah, right. But th that hasn't happened yet in Europe. Uh, and so people are terrified, you know, that they'll lose their job if they get accused of something. And so it may well be too late by the time people wake up and say, hey, we got to, you know, bring the borders under control. It may be too late to stop it at that point. Well, even, I mean, certainly the quote unquote right wing parties of being demonized while and marginalized by this establishment to a degree that is really, you know, you don't see it that bad in the United States, at least not yet. Um, but of course, that brings up the question of um, could it happen here? Now, liberals and left wingers that I talk to around here say, no, that couldn't happen here. That's a European problem. You know, they kind of put it off. And I think under President Trump, it probably won't happen here. Although look at the attack he's under for, you know, having some kind of a dislike of 
Muslim men and women, which is ridiculous. It's a dislike of jihad, and it's uh, questioning mass migration of Muslims, which any nation should do. Uh, but do you think it could happen in America? Do you think it is happening in America? I, I do think it is happening, albeit, uh, you know, at a much slower level and in, in a different way. You know, um, in the United States, they, they were importing Muslims by the tens of thousands under the so-called refugee program. The U.N. was basically picking, um, you know, 50, 60, 80,000 Muslims per year, putting them on airplanes, flying them to the United States at taxpayer expense. And this really picked up under the Obama administration. But it's been it's been happening for many years. And so little by little, there is a, a significant Islamic presence building in the United States. Um, and, you know, I, I think the agenda is the same, but the globalists don't have the good fortune of, uh, you know, having so many Islamic, totally alien cultures nearby to the United States. And so we are getting mass, massive uh, immigration from Latin America. And I grew up in Latin America. The culture is very, very different. Um, you know, they, it's just a completely different ethic, a completely different, um, you know, culture, the way of thinking, a way of doing things. And um, so, you know, even though it's different, it is not as different as, say, uh, you know, Islamist from Somalia or from Iraq. Um, you know, a, a Mexican Catholic would have much more in common with an American than, uh, say, uh, you know, a, a Somalian uh, Muslim would right. have with your average Swede or with your average German. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, the globalists have been handicapped. You know, they tried their best. Uh, Hillary Clinton said she wanted to drastically step up the so-called refugee program where they go around the world bombing countries and they say, oh, look at those poor people we just bombed. They don't have houses because we just bombed them. We better bring them to the United States and resettle them at taxpayer expense. Uh, but the agenda is the same. And, you know, they, they've done polls. They know that uh, the illegal immigrants that they want to give amnesty to. And, you know, they say there's 12 million. There's probably many, many more than that. Uh, but they know they will all vote for anti-gun, uh, pro-big government uh, candidates. And, you know, a, a small group of them may become conservative Republicans, but they, you know, the establishment essentially understands very well that these people come from socialist-minded countries and they will continue to hold a socialist worldview when they arrive in the United States. And so I think that's why there's the big rush to give amnesty. You know, Trevor Loudon, uh, anti-communist researcher, has done some very, very good work exposing uh, this so-called rainbow coalition that the establishment thinks it's going to use as a battering ram against traditional America. You know, to bring together the homosexuals and the illegal immigrants and, you know, this whole uh, diverse coalition to kind mm -hmm. of knock down traditional constitutionalist America. And so th it's the same agenda. It's just playing out in a little bit of a different way. And I think America has much stronger defenses against it than Western Europe does. All right, Alex Newman, listen, I'm a little tight on time today. However, I'd like you to stay in touch with me as you travel and even on a daily basis because I want to do a whole series with you. So Wonderful. we can get good because I want to get your observations as you cross Europe and as you go into Eastern Europe in particular. So uh, let my listeners know where they can read your articles and get more information. Hey, well, thank you so much, Chuck. I really appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to staying in touch with you. Uh, if people want to read uh, the articles that I'll be filing throughout this trip, uh, they'll be at www.thenewamerican.com, and uh, some will inevitably go in the print magazine. People can subscribe right on the website if they want to get it delivered to their door twice per month, and I look forward to being in touch with you. Thanks so much, Chuck. All right, Alex. Thanks a lot, Alex Newman. Take care. You Best too. Thanks, luck. Chuck.